All right, welcome to another this is podcasting. I'm your host Connor. I got Jaden over here, <laughs> and former guest Calvin. Thanks for having me back. And we have a special guest tonight, uh, former member of the podcast. We're glad to have him back. McKinnon's here with Woo! us. What's up? And uh, I'm excited. We're talking about Lamb tonight. Uh, we just went inside. It's part of our Sin Adventure series where we go see a movie and then we kind of get right back here and give our thoughts on it, kind of uh, let you know what we think about it. Yeah. So this is from A24. I feel like. Uh, there's a lot of kind of like channels on YouTube and other podcasts. Maybe they're like kind of shills for like Marvel stuff and superhero stuff because it's so popular now. And we're like shills for A24 because like we went and saw The Green Knight, which is where we saw the trailer for Lamb. We were like, okay, this is making our list. Yeah. And uh, we just did a podcast on The Witch. Um, we talked about uh, The Lighthouse. We have a, a multi-part episode, mm-hmm. a multi-episode. Uh, Too many parts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yep. And then uh, we have another podcast coming out on uh, The Hereditary, The Midsummer. We're doing all the movies. The Midsummer. <laughs> it's yeah. All these all these A24 movies yeah. seem to start with the. It's actually, it's just Robert Eggers. <laughs> all of his are the. I well, kind of think he'll, he'll, like, he'll be like... Um, oh, our friend uh, Bob. Yeah, yeah Bob. Yeah, Bobby yeah. Eggs. I kind of think of him um, as being uh, like a Tarantino. It'll come out that all of his films are yeah. actually in the same universe. That'd be interesting. Yeah. All right, so the Jane, mermaid is the witch. Uh, we're gonna do oh first God. impressions. Uh, what do you got, Jaden? Um, so first, I have a little. Well, I would think of how they pitched this movie to A twenty four. Right. Um, so they'd be like, "Coming out this fall, wham! A coming of age story about a young child trying to find its way in society. A comedy that you will not expect." <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of get that. I kind of get that because it's uh, there's definitely parts of the movie. That it, I, I like that there's some levity in this. Dude, film. I was crying Cause, laughing. Because there are some parts where, I mean, there's like kind of a dour uh, experience as you go through this. But then there's parts where it's like, I mean, we went and saw it in a, kind of like an, uh, I wouldn't say like an art house theater, but like a, it wasn't like an AMC, you know. And Alamo Draft House. Yeah. Peeps know. I, I kind of wish we saw every movie there. That was a great experience, yeah, exactly. I thought. I just yeah. don't like the people walking around. That's the only thing that. Yeah, because oh, it's, it's did one you of those guys, theaters where they, they have like people come and take your order yeah. and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And did you see that the the one thing that I liked though is there was one guy that walked across the screen um at the same time as the dog was running and he was like perfectly in line with it. And <laughs> Let's like, not talk about the dog. <laughs> uh, I was like, this is why I come to the cinema for like experiences like that. Right. right. <laughs> uh Calvin. was part of the movie. Who's that guy? <laughs> So we want to spend a couple minutes like not spoiling this because this just came out. So uh, we're we're gonna kind of give our f- impressions, not spoiling it. So if you uh, if you listen to this and then find out like okay, this sounds like pretty neat, you should go check it out. I think this is much more worth checking out than uh, like uh, the new Bond movie came out this weekend too. Oh, did it? Yeah, go see something original. That that franchise I think is bankrupt as far as new ideas. I, I, go see something new. Support something. I'm definitely gonna see a James Bond movie. I know, but I, I think this is worth supporting. If you have to pick between the two, I'd recommend this one. But uh, Calvin, what's your what's your first impression of this film? Um, I I think of it as a, a biblical folktale. Um, there's a number of uh, uh, like how they uh, painted uh, red over the door frames, kind of like an exodus, um, to keep uh, fr- their firstborn from being killed uh, killed by the angel of death. Um. I mean, obviously, her being like the Virgin Mary, like, uh, like turning turning the uh, the idea of the uh, the whole Christ birth on its head, rather than being uh, a virgin birth to the woman, it seems like the impetus is the other way around. You know, the question is all was was always like, well, Mary was probably 
uh, raped or um, was adulterous, but Joseph covered for her. And it kind of feels like the other way around in this case. Right, right. Kinda. Yeah. But, I mean, because, like, obviously she didn't give birth, but how did the the baby get there? Yeah, kind of like that immaculate conception. It's like, hey, you know, yeah, how, do, yeah. how is this baby introduced into the world? It's kind of like that kind of mystery surrounding it. I get mm-hmm. that. McKenna, what's your first impression of this? I liked it. I liked it a lot. I went back and forth in my notes. I was, like, trying to predict the next thing that would happen. And I got some of them right, and then I couldn't call out some of the things that I thought were going to happen. So it kept me guessing, which I thought was good. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, I thought they kind of gave a little bit too much weight right in the beginning. I thought so, too. But it's a good movie. Yeah, I thought so, too. And then I was wrong about a few things, and I was happy to be wrong. Oh, good. The only thing that I was wrong about is that the dude does not do what you think he does. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, that's actually not not established for sure. I'm pretty sure it's 100% established, Cal. I think there's, well, there's some there's, amb- ambiguity the, to yeah, it. Yeah, there's right? some... Uh, we'll I talk disagree about, completely. We'll, we'll talk about why it's ambiguous. Right. Okay, and then I will shut you down on why you're wrong. So I'm, I'm so going to finish happy. this beer so I have enough confidence to shout you down. <laughs> I'm so happy to be back. <laughs> yeah, no, we're, we're glad to have you. Uh, so this was filmed by Valdemar uh, Johansson. Um, you guys might recognize him if you dug deep into the credits of uh, one of our favorite movies, The Tomorrow War. He is on this part of the special what? effects crew uh, for the Iceland unit in that film. Why? Yeah, he did, he did a lot of special effects stuff before this. That's crazy because the special effects in this are mostly bad. What did they shoot? Oh, right. Oh. The whole end of the film. I guess that's special yeah. effects. It was so forgettable that I forgot it ended. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you just think it's just still going on. Yeah. Uh, but I, I thought I thought he did a good job. I think a lot of the stuff, uh, mm. you know, not, not spoiling anything, uh, a lot of the stuff I saw on screen I really loved. I, I think you should just film every movie in Sweden now. Uh, everything looks awesome. Uh, from what I saw, this is filmed in Iceland, Sweden, and Poland. I'm not sure where all like the main stuff on the farm takes place. If it's, I, I would, I guess Iceland because the language is Icelandic. So my assumption would be the majority of the film is is taking place there. But uh, I just think it looks really pretty. I mean, it's there's a lot of cool shots of like uh, characters from the waist up, and there's no horizon. And you just kind of get this cool background. You, you kind of don't really have a sense of how far they're or how fast they're moving. I think it's kind of really cool uh, shots that take place there. But uh, my thoughts on the film, I, I, I think I, I think I actually might like really love this movie. It like hit a lot of beats. I thought it was going to have some tropes in it. And then it kind of flips those on its head and they don't happen. Uh, I think uh, all the performances are really good. I think like Calvin said, I see some like biblical references. I see a lot of stuff that's like a, I thought a lot about like kind of custody and like things like that, like custody battles that take place and how kind of brutal those get. Um, and I thought about, oh, God damn it. I didn't, I forgot I had the dryer going. <laughs> that way you guys had a blanket for later. Uh, and the other thing I think about the movie is it, it ended perfectly. I was worried it got to a point where I thought it was going to keep going, and I was really nervous about that, but it stops perfectly. And yeah, I, I, I have to watch it again, but I think of the stuff I've seen in theaters this year, it's probably my favorite. Uh, but I don't want to like get too overblown and be like too hype about something I just saw. But I think I love this movie. Yeah, I'd say it's my favorite that I've seen this year too. Which I I, would, I thought Green Knight was like the best thing you had seen, and I, I I put this above Green Knight, like as and, far as initial viewing. Like yeah, I put this there. above Black Widow slightly. Yeah, slightly. Um, in that conversation too, I will. I I'm still the only one that I think that's seen Pig. I'll put Pig up there as like one of the best films. Oh, the Nicolas Cage movie? Yeah, just uh, the whole farm animals in 2021 just yeah. bringing it home. Yeah. Right? No, Pig is 
fantastic. And it's kind of similar in the way they break it up in chapters, but it feels more like everything is vignettes. Um, but this isn't about pig. This is about lamb. So, <laughs> right. Uh, so, um, what are your, some of your impressions on just like the look of the film? Like just kind of what we're seeing in the frame. Like I said, I think there's a lot of great shots. I think it's, it's really well done. Uh, I think one of the things I like a lot is when there's not a lot of cutting between different cameras. And I think this did a good job of having like some good long takes, which I always appreciate in movies. So mm-hmm. I obviously like the look. What do you guys think of it? It's pretty. Uh, the look is good. Um, there's not a whole lot of the camera's very steady for a lot of the movie, mm-hmm. which in some parts I feel like makes it feel a little bit drawn out. Um, but I think it's good. I think it fits the tone of their life on the farm and, and the film itself. Yeah. I think of, you know, there's not a lot of, uh, high shots, anything from a very high angle. So I think the whole film is really from the perspective of an animal, the way we treat close-ups on the animals, um, feels like they're characters. Like we're, we take oh, the dog for sure. Dude. All of them, yeah. the cat, the, uh, uh the sheep. Okay. When you, when you, uh, start to, um, hang on those uh close-ups like they do they start you start to think that they're mannerisms that they're talking to each other so i think that a lot of these shots are very low because you're taking it from the perspective of one of the sheep of the cat of the dog it and it's mirrored in the first shot of the film i wrote down ponies at first because i couldn't i couldn't get a sense of scale of how big those horses were i forgot all about that oh i think it's a great opening shot Yeah. yeah why Holy shit! Now I'm all confused now. But it's it's a very high shot because it's from the perspective of whatever this creature is, and that's where it messes with okay. your sense of scale. So that's why I think of like the the cameras here being so important as to perspective of who the main character is for the film. Right, McKinnon. Do you have any thoughts on the the look of this? It's really pretty. It looked good. I like the uh, there were a number of shots from the back of people holding hands with the lamb, Mm -hmm. a number of those shots. And I thought each of those was really pretty. I think there's a lot of, they do a lot of tricky shots to keep the lamb kind of out of it. Oh yeah. Lots of blankets. You you don't get a a good look till later in the film. So I I think genius to like reveal that later. Yeah. I I like that. It took its time on that one. I I think what Jaden was talking about, some of the shots being drug out. I, I thought about a lot of the shots in the barn where it's kind of like a static camera just set up. And it looks like they just had it in the barn and they were just waiting for the sheep to do stuff. And then yeah. they went back through it and we were like, oh, this is like an interesting part. The sheep did something. Yeah. And then they cut that and put it in the film. So I do get what you mean. Some of it feels drug out and they just like, they just had cameras waiting to yeah. capture something. So I thought there was some stuff like that, that it works, I think, because they found the interesting it, stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like said, especially it works with like the lifestyle that they're living and right. how like it's showing like, hey, like they're living a very slow life here. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing, though, is that some of that is CGI. So I don't know how much of that is is definitely true, but you can see, especially when the um, mother sheep is outside of their window, the way it keeps uh, bucking and uh, tilting its head in response to uh, Maria, you can tell that's CGI. Yeah, no, I think there was... So I think that some of those barn shots are also that way, but they're meant to feel like we're just... um, you know we're 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 getting we're getting a the the picture of grief of this um sheep mother which i think is interesting yeah um so moving on from that do we have thoughts on the sound uh the score i think one thing i really liked is uh i love the all the breathing that takes place like all that sound it, that that being a part of the sound design i think is cool cuz you get like that really kind of husky heavy breathing 
and then you hear uh the lamb later on and it's like a mix of kind of like creature breathing but also like how like a baby sounds or like a child sounds Mm -hmm. and so i like that mixture and uh you get a good amount of like clumping of hooves i think that the sound design of like all the animals involved in it is really cool and then along with the score i I mean, I'm not like, this isn't the most amazing score I've ever heard, but uh, it, it fits the film fine. It uh, There's not like a uh, uh, any part of it I'm like, I remember that I'm like, oh yeah, that 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 like stanza really stood out to me. Uh, but I think it, it fits the film just fine. Yeah. I think my, my thing that I noticed the most was how little dialogue there was. It's very unusual to find films that don't want to rely on dialogue. Um, in a way that uh, you would think that they would need dialogue. A lot of intimate pieces like this are all, almost all dialogue-driven. You don't get a lot of films anymore. Um, well, I wouldn't say anymore because dialogue-driven film is is a very age-old thing going all the way back to early Hollywood. But you don't get a lot of films that want to tell you things through repeated images, like the number of times you see animals eating and reflected uh, in the humans eating. Like it's, uh, it's connecting all of these ideas through actions and uh, without any sound. Like there's there at no point do they discuss um, uh, the, the lamb. Her name is Ada. They don't discuss it at all. It just, this is what's happening. Yeah. Without, yeah. Without spoiling Ada too much. What I will say about what you, you said about there's not very much dialogue. I am, I think, notorious for complaining on this podcast about not wanting to read subtitles. There's so little dialogue that it's fine. Like, I, I mean, it, it's not, I'm not spending a lot of time reading through like a, a wall of text to figure out what's going on. All the dialogue is like pretty quick, and I think you can grasp it all really well. That's one thing I really appreciated about this movie. And it's not like I'm like, oh, I'm American. I'm too, uh, I'm too good to read subtitles. I just, I take it takes away from me watching the movie, and I really appreciate that there wasn't a ton of dialogue in this. I, I thought it was great. So if anyone is like not going to watch this movie because it's not English, like get that out of the way because this is plenty easy to follow, like reading subtitles. What do you think about the sounds, Keto? One of the things I noticed was there's a lot of sheep sounds mm-hmm. until there were basically none. Like, yeah, it was at, very at sudden point, too. Yeah. At one point I realized, I was like, I think we've gone like 30 or 40 minutes without a sheep sound. It was like like right after the weird dream. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a point and then it came back after... Uh, after a certain event happened, but yeah, it was just something I noticed. Like there were, there were a lot of like farm sounds until there weren't any. Yeah. Right. Something I noticed. As far as uh, sound, de- sound design goes and all that stuff, this is a 10 out of 10 for me. Really? Okay. This literally might be my favorite sound I've ever heard. Better than like the parts of the Caribbean soundtrack. I hate that. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of obviously subtle sound and not a huge, huge score in movies. And this like, I don't even know if it has a score. Yeah, it's there's definitely music there, but it's, but it's like, not. It's not a theme. It's not like, like, it's like the like, Wonder Woman theme or something it's so, like that. It's so forgettable that it's beautiful. Like that, it's not absent from the movie. It just is part of the movie. Yeah, and it's the same sort of thing. Like I don't think that Hereditary, uh, the soundtrack there, has a whole lot of melodic qualities to it, but it's very visceral. It fe- It's it's a very unique uh, set of sounds that really stick out. And in this case. 
they it builds tension uh, subconsciously. Yeah. You're not it's not something you notice. You go back through and you can pay attention to it. But really, it, it's not only is the music minimalist, but the sound the sounds themselves are minimalist, which is even more interesting when we talk about minimalist scores used um, in like Blade Runner twenty four. Well, not Blade Runner twenty forty nine, but especially like Arrival. You know right. that holy minimalism for that Johan Johansson who is an Icelandic uh, composer. Huh, so, yeah. 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 Uh, so, like, there's, like, a solid, like, few minutes, but I feel like there's not one sound that happens in this entire movie. Oh, yeah, that's something. Which is, like, like that part to me, like, I was, like, for a second, I was, like, this is dragging a long time. I was, like, I'm so fucking intrigued. Like, what's going to happen now? Yeah. And, like, mm-hmm. I just love that. So We're, we're going to talk later uh, in a different podcast about Dune, the uh, 1980s version, and that movie mm-hmm. is, like, don't bother acting because we're just going to have a narration go over it. So you don't, that, that's like, must've been the director's notes to the actors been like, don't bother. Well, you will just have you talk over it later. And in this movie, there's almost no dialogue and it's all emoting on screen. And, and there's so much story being told just through the characters, like it, actors actually acting. And that's why I think, it, like you said, there's not a lot of sound for a lot of it. There's not a lot of dialogue for a lot of it. And it totally works. Totally works in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's the actress that plays Maria? Let me repass. That lady, stellar fucking job. Yeah. yeah. So she was the... Um, I've seen her in stuff before. And she was also in the um, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. The Swedish version, right? The Swedish versions, yeah. Okay, well, I can never see any version of that movie again, and I'll be fine. <laughs> uh, she's also uh, like the lead in uh, the Prometheus, like, okay. kind of the alien prequel. Yeah. Well, that's where I've seen her before. I yeah. could not figure yeah. it out. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Definitely uh, a better step in the right direction for oh, her she's, career. Yeah. yeah, she's awesome. I'm sure she it, made yeah. more money from Prometheus. I'm sure she did because, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, that's the only reason you do that is for a paycheck. Uh, Michael Fassbender, dude. Yeah, I mean, if we, mm-hmm. it, yeah, I mean, just as far as performances go, I, I don't think there's any one of them that I don't like. No. I think everyone's so great. If there's a movie. kid playing that lamb, great job. Right? Yeah, yeah, great, great job. Just the way they walked and stuff. Yeah. I'm not sure what that was. I but. think there's got to be some level of like, they mo-cap. have to hit on screen and then. Yeah, yeah. it's got to be mocap because like it's, that, yeah. it's, it's. It was it's, a combination uh, of things, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah but yeah. you, you got to I almost thought for a second it might so just be like a normal sized person that they CGI'd down. Well, at the, when they had like the scenes at like. <laughs> When they had like the close-up scenes at like the kitchen table, I, I thought that that was like a ro- like a robotic or something. I think they're yeah, it probably was mocap though, because sure. you know what, what mocap is. Yeah, yeah. So motion, motion capture. capture. So you put okay. them in those green suits with the with the balls yeah. everywhere. So yeah, yeah, those yeah. are the tracking. I understand points. what that means when you say motion capture. It was probably yeah. it was Andy Serkis who played the lamb. Yeah, wasn't it? it was Andy Serkis. Oh, yeah. he he definitely did the voice for sure. <laughs> yeah, he actually played all of the characters. He played all of the sheep. <laughs> Every character is, is it's just CGI on top. Yeah. Of yeah. Speaking yeah. of Andy Serkis, maybe don't direct another movie. <laughs> he yeah. did Venom, right? Yeah, it was so bad. Oh, good lord! Uh, no, I thought Gerard Butler did a really good job in the movie. Yeah, also. me too. I liked his performance. Yeah. yeah, Gerard Butler brother. Yeah, yeah. What was his real name, Calvin? I don't remember. Peter. Oh, no, you mean the, no, not the Peter? Husband. The, the husband. husband. What, his uh, name, what his name was? Uh, not Peter. It was um, Argolov. Uh, the character's name is Ingvar. Yeah, Ingvar. That was close. Yeah, that's Argolov. So <laughs> is that what your notes? <laughs> I wrote it down. I have it. <laughs> It's um, played by Hilmer Snier Gudnansson. Ingvar. That's that's a that's a th. That also uh, means uh, Gerard Butler in Icelandic. So. That's 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 the connection I made. Yeah. 
But he it, looks uh, yeah. pretty much like him. But again, I just think all the all the performances are really good for it being kind of a duo and then a trio for a bit, and then it, it's for having a minimal cast. I think everyone worked really well together. Dude, it was wild to me when they introduced another character. I was like, "Whoa, I did not expect this." Especially whatsoever. the way that they, yeah, the way I was that like, they "Who? Did. Who's this lady?" Like, yeah. and then the lady was nothing. So, and that's that's what I mean when when I said that I was like trying to predict the next thing that was going to happen yeah. when this third character showed up. I thought the movie was going to go a certain direction. And, and it, did it, it did Yeah, it. me too. Yeah, like that's what I He was just like I mean. all chill with it and stuff. Yeah. I was like, what's happening right now? I don't yeah. think he was chill with it. He was just like, Not well, whatever. So before, I don't want to like spoil like, it too much. Okay. But, uh, uh, yeah, do we, we want to get to some it. stuff without spoiling? Is there stuff we didn't like about this? Just to give kind of a, a fair picture of what we... Um, what we one thought. other thing that I wanted to say that I did like was I did like the design of Ada. Um, the fact that she's not symmetrical. I do too. Yeah. The, the fact that one hand is a is a is a hoof and the other hand is a hand. I always think of there every time they hold her hand, they always hold a human hand. And they never hold the hoof. I think I always think that that's that's something that matters. Oh, that's definitely something important because like I'm not touching that shit. Yeah, it, it's yeah. still like yeah. So I think I that, don't know where that's been. What they kiss her on the face. Yeah, but like, they don't touch the hoof because okay, that's yeah, the an, let's not touch the, the hoof, but part. let's put our whips to yeah. its fucking face. No. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you guys have any things you didn't like about this? Yeah, the fact that they kissed the lamb on the face okay and that they didn't just kill it right when it was born because it just makes me feel like i'm like how are you like this dumb oh, and that that upsets me a lot in movies and like i get over it pretty quickly well that's kind of spoily i don't want to get into how the how it looks too much but what how the lamb looks too much we just talked about how it has yeah, one okay, fucking mind, hand right. um <laughs> i'll edit that all right no, um, never mind. uh anyone else now i'm lost in what i was gonna say i'm sorry I, well, I, you I, should, I, how they should have been it should have been killed okay so yeah i so especially a lot of like horror movies or things like that, like there's always this like suspension of disbelief I have to give myself because I'm like, okay, so these people are so fucking idiotic that they can't figure out like, hey, this is like a demon baby that was just born out of a sheep. Like maybe let's not just care for it. It reminded me so much of Vivarium. Like when that part happened, I was like, oh, I hate this right now. But I also knew that that was going to happen coming into it. Yeah, but I think those are different because just in the just in the case that in Vivarium, you know, they're trapped and it is a horror situation. And here, like why we like Hereditary and why we like Midsommar is because these people are like hurting and they're broken and that's where we get the element yeah but i didn't get from. that right away in the i know story. I, just, I, I i'm just, just like, like that I'm was like, like, okay so these people are just stupid and they don't either, either way i don't care like even if like you've <laughs> right. gone through the trauma whatever they've done like if a fucking lamb shits out a human lamb baby like that's not right and you should like maybe do something about that besides just take it in your house I'm like i'm gonna feed you milk now yeah no, i, I agree with I agree way more with Calvin. I I think the context of the of the your like your two parent characters is set up. I think the film takes a really long time to set them up and having this like baby come into their lives. I think is totally, totally uh, the way they react makes total sense to me. I don't I don't think that any human being on earth would ever react that way. Yeah, but it's a story, and and I I think in the context of the story, I it that's what I'm saying. It's like I have to suspend my disbelief for this. I think okay. I think Jaden is upsetting. right. Yeah, I think Jaden's right. That's not how usual humans would act in a situation like that but because that's unusual it shows the extreme situation that these that this couple is in that yeah. they react to this yeah. lamb this certain way that, I, which does a, a good job of developing them without talking that's a really good yeah. way to say it you, you you said what i said just way better i totally agree with you and it I also disagree with every single one of you. i think <laughs> i think fine. you're right jane I, I get what you're saying i also yeah. see what their point was and how well, i mean like i said i'm not gonna like let it bug me to not yeah. enjoy the movie for sure yeah but that is something like that's if i have like one detriment it's just like it was too it's that and like there's like there's other things going on like 
when she finally kills the sheep that's like bugging them. I'm like, why didn't you just do that in the first that's place? A like, you were thing. just <laughs> fucking eating. We've spoiled so much of this movie already. No, no, no. We, we can. Uh, it's fine. Uh, but, uh, but like, they're literally eating lamb chops like two scenes before that. Oh, I, for, I, yeah. I forgot so about So just that. fucking kill the sheep that's annoying you and eat it. Like, why is this? Yeah, I don't know why we buried it Yeah. For that realistic yeah. reason. But yeah, I do think too. Like, we built up these characters in the mundane. You know, we didn't we didn't give them backstories. We didn't give them names. Um, until the second half of the film. So the fact that they reacted the way that they did, I think is is really interesting and really good because what kind of normal people do this? And I think exactly what you're saying, the problem is, is no normal people do this. So yeah. there's so much said in the fact that in the absence of common sense. So that's that's why I will say it works here. But I think, yeah, generally like, yeah, that's... I'd probably kill that. That doesn't belong on my farm. Yeah. It's weird. It's a weird thing. But at the same time, the movie wouldn't happen without it, so you have to let it be. So yeah. yeah. Or at so, least it uh, wouldn't be called it wouldn't be called lamb. It'd be called lamb chop. Oh <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> Don't eat that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is it is it really cannibalism at that point? Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, do At least fifty percent. <laughs> do we have any uh, uh, non-spoiler like recommendations or like uh, just real quick? You know, like would you? Do you think people should go out and see this one? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it depends on who you are. I'm just gonna say it until someone actually takes me for my word. Yeah, which I don't think is bad. It's no one in my family, that's for sure. Yeah, it's the same. There's a lot of people who will see this and be like, "This is a terrible movie." Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. a very, it's a very. When I saw that the IMDb score was only like a six point six, I was like, "Good." Yeah, this right. is good. Yeah, McKinnon, would you recommend this to people? I would recommend it to people. I don't think I would recommend it to my wife. I think that she would hate this movie. Oh, okay. Plain favorites. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there is certainly people, people like my wife who are more focused on like mainstream movies that just would not get into a movie like this. Like Jaden, you, did you enjoy it? You oh, did. I love this movie. And I, I think that you tend to enjoy like the sort of mainstream type of movies, right? Dude, McKenna, you've been off the podcast for five times. Am I am I out of the loop? <laughs> yeah. you're, out, you're out of the loop. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I, I do enjoy I do enjoy Marvel movies. Other than that, I yeah. Know. I mean, okay. Marvel movies. I I would say like I I need to set myself up as someone, you know, who doesn't like them because there are very obvious. There are lots of problems with them. They're yeah. not. It's not that they're problems. they're formulaic <laughs> is the problem. Yeah. It's and it's That's just, a product, dude. It's right. Not, it's not like art. Like this is sure. Right. Thing. It is completely different. Yeah. I, but I, I would recommend like it to people though. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not like they're not enjoyable. Yeah. And it's was, the same sort of thing. It's like I think this is I think this can be enjoyable as long as you're you know what you're expecting. Yeah, it has yeah. to be a certain kind of people cuz you can't just like like walk up to some random dude in the street like, "Yo, you should watch this fucking movie, Lamb. It's hilarious. It's a banger." Yeah. Like, I think, it is very funny. Yeah, and I think that's like the humor functions so well in and again with the mundaneness. But see, the thing is, I, you I do not like, agree. I, I didn't think the movie was funny, and I'm excited to talk about that. I didn't oh, think there was any. Humor I do think in it. like like you have to be a certain level or like not level like perspective of you on films to understand the humor in this yeah because it's all yeah. about about the surrealism of the situation i don't yeah. think anything intrinsically funny happens right like, literally, they don't yeah. say a single funny thing it's just the situation is it's in, in like yeah. the mm-hmm. the body language and all that stuff i'm just like this is fucking awesome like, as far as like my recommendation and uh, like uh, i so hannah came and watched this with us and she i had her watch the trailer right before we left because she hadn't seen it yet 
And she was like, I don't really get what's going on here. And then when we got into the car, we were heading back home. She was like, what the fuck did you make me watch? Uh, and I still think that like, that's that's like worthwhile, I think. If this is not the kind of movie you'd regularly see, then like go check out something new. Like I said, expand beyond James Bond that came out like this weekend too. Like you can enjoy both things. I'm not like knocking it because I haven't seen it. But I'm saying it's like it's okay to like watch something that is weird. And I think this is totally worth watching. I, I'd, I'd recommend this to anyone. I, yeah. I think if you want to experience something that's not, you know, your classic tentpole box office movie, this is a this is one I definitely check out. Cause yeah, it's, it's, that's the people I'd recommend it to, not people who don't want to see that. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, because I don't think I don't think this story is hard to follow. I think there's before we left, I I, I like checked YouTube. And I was like, lamb reviews. I didn't watch any of them, but every thumbnail is like, WTF lamb? Like, what is lamb? Lamb explained. It's not a tough movie to follow, I don't think. It, it, I mean, it's 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 a it's a, uh, three acts. It's spelled out right for you. Uh, I don't think this is a tough movie to follow. It's just mm-hmm. a weird premise, I think. And that's where people are going to get hung up, like not liking it or liking it, I think, if you're like a general audience. But I, I think this is totally worth watching. I'd absolutely recommend this movie. I think that the, it depends on what you're what you're talking about. Like when you say Lamb explained, there's a lot of subtext here um, that this movie is is very allegorical. There's a lot that you can pull from it and different interpretations that you can come away with it and different meanings for why everything is the way it is. But at the base level, like whether, you know, it, it's a it's a it's a family story, tragedy um, about a couple, you know, grappling with a child they're childless and this is a gift to them right what type of people react in this type in this situation with other complicated brothers and those types of of situations i don't know if i this is where i would start i would recommend if you wanted to get into this film i would definitely recommend hereditary um probably midsummer next just because those are incredible pieces of cinema that are so compelling. I feel like those movies are so different than this movie. It does not. They are, but that's the thing. But what, but what makes them similar and why they work is there is an, there is an incredible amount of detail to the language of the film, not necessarily whether the stories are similar or whether even the tone is similar. It's how the camera treats the character, the characters, how it treats perspectives and how it tells the story. So that's not how most people watch movies, Calvin. Yeah, I know it's not. And that's, so that's, what I'm so tra- that's why I'm suggesting it. Like if you're going to break away from this, you will get, you will start to feel this subconscious changing. I would honestly like recommend like, watching the green knight and then this and then maybe hereditary midsummer really because yeah. i feel like i feel like i feel like hereditary midsummer are like very much like a like a more potent version of this movie i just think that they're more compelling i think that there are there are parts and what i mean by compelling i mean that they're engaging that someone who who likes if you're coming from marvel and then you had to choose one of those four films i feel like there's no part in hereditary or midsummer where you're like wow this is kind of boring i don't really get it necessary necessarily because everything that's happening on the screen still seems to be in service of a, a real experience that the character is having in in green knight you have those shots that are um, a little bit more representative. You have uh, like him that that death scene of him at the base of the tree. Um, yeah. You have uh, whereas everything in in hereditary. Well, don't, don't give is it like, away because uh, I like that you're plugging these. But yeah, in the next couple of weeks we have a review on hereditary and midsummer coming yeah. out. So if 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 you're interested in all at lamb, uh, then you go also check out the, uh, the the podcast we have coming out in the future. So I think in general this is a kind of a general. We feel good about this movie, right? Like. This is worth watching, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So then do we want to spoil this one now? Oh, yeah. Let's spoil if we this. haven't already. All right. So now that we're into spoilers, uh, 
I really want to, let's kind of pick apart and dive deeper into these characters. Uh, I like Maria and Ingvar's relationship. I think it takes, the, the film really takes its time building them up. They start out really distant. Like you see them, they kind of have like different sleep schedules. They don't sleep in the same bed together. There's obviously like they have, they have a uh, kind of a lunch or dinner scene together. And it's yeah, kind I of like, call it lunch. Yeah, it's kind of like mundane conversation. Like, you know, this doesn't seem like a couple that's like uh, really engaging each other. They're just kind of existing together. And then I think the movie really takes its time to build that up. Uh, it's split up into these chapters. And I think of like the first chapters, them getting introduced to, you know, the lamb to Ada. And that is kind of the catalyst to bring them closer. I wonder what you guys think of the relationship between Ingmar and uh, Ingvar and uh, Maria. I think it's a very healthy relationship in the beginning. I know the distance thing I could get, but they're like kind of working this farm together. They have to take shifts. They do sleep in the same bed together. I know that there's a part where like the dude's sleeping on the couch or whatever, but they do sleep in the same bed in the first chapter. Yeah. I'm just saying that there's some, there's some bits that show like there's some distance between them. I think I just don't like, I see what you're saying, but like in my, in my perspective, when I was watching this, it wasn't that they were distant it's that they were growing together and they had to take separate times to do different things. They might not be distant, but like the, the intro had them sleeping separately and that that's significant, right? Or, or you could also think of it. Maybe, maybe they're not necessarily distant, but they really bonded once yeah. uh, Ada came in. Like they're doing their job. Like they're at work all day is basically what their life is. Yeah. And now they have purpose again. It feels yeah. like they're, yeah. they're really connected in um, not just a personal way, but it, it feels like spiritual as well. It's like everything has, has purpose and meaning again in their lives. I just think that there, uh, there's a tone change once Ada's introduced, I think. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So like I said, I like to think of the first chapter as like the introduction and Ada being a part of the family. Uh, the second chapter, I like to think of as uh, kind of Ada's acceptance and assimilation into the family. And we get introduced to Ingvar's brother. Pieter. Uh, yeah. And I, I love how he's introduced to, he's just kind of tossed out of a car. I was confused about that. So did he like owe someone money and they just ditched him in the middle of nowhere or he's, something? Yeah. They say that he has had like money trouble. But if you notice later in the film, they show a music video because he's like, yeah, it's the members of his it's, band. It's the members of the band that toss him out of the car. It's like, oh, they're, it's like they're tired it. of him and they just drop him off at the farm. And it's not and the first time that he's been to that farm or dropped off like that either. Right. Yeah. Because they mentioned that later as well. So yeah. I'm assuming they knew exactly what they were doing. The that right. makes sense. That yeah, I'm so yeah, confused. I was like, when I saw just that. leaving this dude, this random dude, out here to die, and like he just wakes up in the barn. Well, the way yeah. that the way that whole shot is set up, it looks like they like it, it's someone that they maybe captured. Maybe they were gonna kill, or you don't know if this is like yeah. some criminal yeah. gang or something. But it's just the band members. They kick him out. I love that the one uh, one lady she gets out of the car. She has his phone, just like chucks it into the grass. <laughs> yeah. I also and I, and two like why he feels almost sinister is when he gets to the farm he's hiding around the corner after um and it's probably because uh because of what she had just done well i mean i don't even know why he because he doesn't know about ada yet so the fact that she went out and killed the mother sheep isn't necessarily significant to him um but he waiting around the corner like that he feels like a vagabond or like someone that's like sinister in nature yeah the the way his character introduction is set up it seems like oh like this is yeah, this is cause some guy with like malintent introduced him to the story, and then you find out like, oh, it's it's the brother. He's just there to, because he kind of has nowhere else to go. I think definitely has malintent. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's kind of what I meant about trying to predict what's going to happen next in the film. Because yeah, he shows up as like kind of like a sinister guy, and I was like, is this going to turn into like a horror film or something? And then he's just a brother. Yeah, yeah. And that's actually something interesting in in the idea of film theory. Um, 
the some uh, scholars say never show a loaded gun if you're never going to shoot it. And I feel like that's one thing that maybe this feels this feels kind of off. It does feel like he's a loaded gun that never shoots, um, but he does create conflict and tension. Yeah, I think it's a really good point because yeah, then there's the stuff with him and the wife, mm-hmm. but then that doesn't transpire into anything either. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That was uh, one of the. I had I had almost written notes about tropes that I thought were going to happen. That was one of the one I was like, oh, the, the 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 kind of lovers who have to keep it secret. You know, maybe there's some history between them, and oh, the the husband's gone to sleep, and now they're you know she's going to sleep with the brother and stuff like that. And then when she kind of tricks him and tosses him into like the the pantry or whatever, I was like, thank God, because I I would have been really bummed if that trope made it into this. Because so far this has been like such a like airtight story to me, mm-hmm. uh, and so to like add a kind of boring. Uh, trope I've seen a hundred times into it. I I was glad that didn't make it in that like subversion. I was happy about. Uh, but Calvin had mentioned when uh, Peter uh, Peter 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 Peter. Okay, I'm gonna try. I'll probably just say Peter. Uh, when he shows up, we he you talked about Maria's like shooting the mother sheep, mm-hmm. and because they've taken Otto away, and uh, the sheep keep showing up at their window, and you know buying what is it called what is it called when sheep do it bleeding bleeding that's it yeah which is so such a creepy word um in in english yeah yeah and and that's when i sort of got the idea of like uh one of the thoughts i had was like about like custody and custody battles and like how that like kind of tears families apart and it makes people act in a way that's like just uh, out of character and in this film it manifests its way in violence where maria goes out and she kills the mother sheep and that 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 that's like kind of a maybe like subtext tone to the film I got is I was like I think both sides probably think they're doing the right thing like Maria probably thinks that like oh I'm giving this child a good home and the the mother sheep even though you know it, it, there's no dialogue but it's like this is its natural mother the biological mother so you'd think that she would have like some uh, parts of play in like raising this baby and so I thought I thought a lot about like custody during those scenes especially like the, the kind of the first chapter I thought a lot about that yeah you could also think of it in terms of identity you know I joked about whether it's cannibalism or um you know whether it's just a lamb chop but at the same time it's who who really are you like what part are you in it's visually represented here like you have half sheep half human it's not a human face um, generally that's what we consider the, the thing that we, uh, connect with there are human emotions, um, and human facial features. So the fact that it's a sheep's head and they still feel this way, I think is really interesting. Right. It's, it seems like they've taken, well, it's mostly human body. So it's a human, uh, even though it doesn't, it, it wouldn't be apparent, I think to most people that it has enough human qualities that I empathize with. Jaden, what do you think of, uh, Peter? I know that when we talk about kind of the humorous parts of this, kind of some levity to a film that seems to be serious, I think a lot of that involves like Peter's introduction to Ada. Uh, I I heard you laughing a bit through that, so I was wondering like what you thought of like kind of their introduction to each other. It's pretty funny. Um, he's got some like awkward body language, and he's like, "What the fuck is going on here?" Uh, pretty much right away. Um, yeah, it's pretty funny. I do agree. I think Calvin said something earlier. It's like they they kind of just don't talk about Ada at all they're just like this is just how it is and like we're not gonna bring it up yeah they were almost like like, we want to apologize for her awkwardness like not even like bringing up the topic of the fact that what she is I I like like that they talk about her being shy not uh Peter being like 
what is happening right now. I, I like that a lot. That kind of, you would think that they would try to like comfort him and like kind of uh, get him it, it, like used to what the situation's going on. But no, they, they, they're totally focused on Adam and be like, oh, it, she's just a little shy sometimes. I, I like that a lot. McKinnon, do you, uh, do you have any thoughts on, uh, on the introduction to Peter and anything? I didn't think it was funny. Why not? I was so surprised when the theater was laughing and stuff. I I didn't think that that scene had the tone of a funny moment. I thought it was serious and weird and awkward. And the lamb comes out from behind the corner and sits at the table with everyone else. And the, everyone in the theater was cracking up because the the awkward uncle or brother, he was you know being awkward Both. and funny. Yeah, but I I was just I was really surprised. And I was like sitting, I was like pinned to my chair. I was like, this is creepy and awkward. But everyone was laughing. I was like, am I in the wrong room? Am I, am I watching something yeah, else? Did, did we even watch the same movie? Yeah. <laughs> so it might be because the lamb character c- kind of creeps me out. <laughs> so whenever there was like something funny going on, I, I guess I get it. But like for the most part, I was like, I was uncomfortable for like a lot of the movie. So yeah. And for some people that that's humor. That's humorous. That's why yeah. they, they, and that's why a lot of people were laughing is because I think it is just, it is uncomfortable and they yeah. know within the tone of the film that there's nothing menacing going on right now. Well, the, the big thing that I think people were laughing at was just the uncle, like the, the body language from him was, it was just, it was, it was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. It, to to it me, it's the, great. it's just the situation, like as an observer, it's a weird situation. A yeah. The, the fact that, like I said, the fact that they're not like, they, they, uh, Maria and uh, Ingvar are treating this as just a totally normal like dinner for them. Yeah. And the fact that Peter is like, what is happening? Uh, why, why are you not explaining this child you have to me? That's what's funny. Is It's, it's being an outside observer to that scene is what makes it funny. Because I think uh, Jane mentioned earlier, like there's not a, no one says anything funny. Like there, it's not a comedic uh, like line delivery or anything. It's just the situation and seeing it is what's funny. Yeah. Although re-watching it, it is very not funny because they start calling Ada's name, which we find out later is the daughter that they lost. So to him, hearing Ada is like, what the hell is going on right now? Right, right. It's very, it's really not funny. That's because, a good point. Yeah, yeah. because now he, they're projecting onto this, whatever the hell they think. His conception of Ada was like a real human. And they've all of a sudden placed all of their their hopes and child dreams on this sheep creature right so uh if we want to move on from the dinner i think another like really kind of powerful scene is where uh, uh peter takes ada out while uh the parents are sleeping and he's got the gun and he like leads her away from the farm and and again this is why i think the second chapter is a lot about like acceptance and assimilation of of ada into this family is because he's the one he, he like tries to feed her grass and treat her like a sheep and and he tells uh, his brother, you know, like she's an animal, not a person, but he can't even like pull the trigger either. And then, and then it goes to like a really nice scene where he's like, he's fallen asleep holding her. And uh, that's why I think that that chapter is really important. And I think it builds a lot of uh, relationships and emotion into the film. So that way, when you get into the third act and it's kind of all torn apart, I think you, it, there's a big emotional resonance with that. Uh, what do you guys think of that scene? Did it impact you at all or nothing? I mean... I feel like the only reason he didn't shoot the lamb is because he was trying to get fussy. Really? I think that's it. I think he was like, oh, actually, you know what? I can use this to blackmail my husband's wife to yeah. get laid. I absolutely agree. I don't think that he's a very good character or person. I don't think he had any empathy or feeling towards Ada, the lamb. 
I think that he just was trying to get laid. If that's yep. true, would he have fallen asleep holding the lamb? Yeah, because then she'd come down and see him doing it. Yeah. And she'd be like, oh, he's a good person. Have you never danced with a flower girl before at a wedding? No. Oh, so that all the... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you poor, innocent soul. I've never had the chance. <laughs> have you ever seen Wedding Crashers? Yes. There you go. Yeah, he's oh, being Vince Vaughn, bro. Got it, got yeah. It, got it. Okay. Yeah. That's I it. guess I just, I yeah. would have thought that he could still perform a blackmail on the wife without, you know, holding the lamb and putting on a show. You uh, could still just do it. Yeah. But then she doesn't have that feeling of safety, of safety and like, sure. like the fact yeah. that she can trust him. And all That's an interesting stuff. idea. I had not thought of that because he was holding it. And I thought that was like a big, no, I thought it was all just a bunch of bullshit. Hmm. I think yeah. I think I would agree with that more if he hadn't gone through the whole show of taking Ada outside to shoot her. And then I think he comes to the conclusion. To me, when I watched it, I was like, okay, he like cares about her now. And, and so he's going to be an uncle. He's going to have her be a part of the family. I think if it was going to be like a show to like get with uh, Maria later, then he wouldn't have gone out and tried to I almost think that he figured it out when he while he and was out there yeah and, and I think that that's totally valid I, I just had never thought about it that way uh that's a I mean again we've only watched this movie one time and I like hearing the uh the other takes I I that's super interesting I I I, I mean I don't know unless I watch it again I don't know if I would take it I'd have to take that lens to it but that's an interesting idea because I I thought of it as something totally different yeah and that's what what I was going to say is I think this film is different when you watch it a second time, because there's so little spoken when you go back with the information that, you know, then these scenes like the Ada scene uh, the first time that, um, Pieter meets her, it, they're very different because it's, it not, this isn't given to you. All of this is very, you're not getting in, you're not in the character's heads. You're in the character's situations, which is very different than how a lot of other films like to operate. Right, right. I think a, a good example of that is uh, like Ingvar when he's in the tractor. This is after they've just gotten out of mm-hmm. and he just starts like crying. And I, I think that's something about that is like, they, you know, it's you find out later, obviously, they, you know, they've tried to have a child and it didn't work. So I think he's like trying to come to grips in terms of trying to raise this this lamb that they have, I guess. That's what I, I got from it. And, and again, there's no dialogue during the whole scene. It's just him crying. And I think you that's what I took from it. I, do you guys get anything out of that? Or I don't think that they failed having another child. I think the other kid died. Like as a, like it was born and then it died. Yeah, no, I, think I mean, there's a yeah. scene where he's running through the swamp or whatever the fuck that is. And he's looking for his daughter, not the right. lamb. No, I, I agree with that. Too. Yeah. yeah. I just think like, like we said, there's a lot of emoting in this film and not a lot of talking. And so I, or explaining. Yeah. Because you can talk without ever actually explaining anything. Um, kind of like the way that the time travel discussion at the beginning of the film works. Um, again, highlighting how they're, uh, uh, they're distant, you know, um, time travel is theoretical. Um, oh, but it's not practical. You still, someone still needs to work out the details. I'm like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's interesting when you're talking about like what we were talking about, um, how she's like, uh, you know, maybe that means you can go back in time. And it means something so much different after seeing the the movie for the first time. Not only for losing their daughter, but also the way that some of these like dream sequences are just are are intercut. They feel like they're actually memories in some ways. Um, especially like you're talking about the the swamp where he's running through and tripping and falling and just screaming into what is a void. Yeah, no, I I love that because it's it's just like this like kind of flooded grassland it's it's mm. so creepy that i i don't 
I don't, I don't know how to describe this because it's not really horror in like the traditional way horror is, but there's a plenty of like horror elements in it. And like that, the scenes like that, like feel creepy and ominous to me. And, and I think mm. they, this does a really good job of like capturing a lot of that stuff to me. Yeah, I get, I, I agree. Like I don't, I wouldn't necessarily call this uh, a horror because, um, you know, it's similar in that to hereditary, how it's a family drama, but I think there are heavier horror elements there. Oh yeah. Here I feel more like it's it's and like the, the she even said like when, during the bleeding of the sheep during, while they were watching the show I couldn't hear what they were saying like something about a folk tale. Yep. And yep. I think that literally is, that's literally the film right there like it's something about a folk tale. We don't really know. Yeah. It's, but it's something like that aesthetic. Yeah, that's yeah. I was literally going to say folk tale and then they refer to it like in the film itself. Um so do we want to move on from uh to that like kind of into the the third act do we want to move on there i had one thing i wanted to say so about the tractor scene where he's like crying in the tractor after after the woman's holding the lamb and singing to it there's so many of these scenes where they're expressing to the audience that they lost their previous child and this lamb is meant to fill that void and the the wife is excited to have something else to love and i was bothered with how many scenes there were about this other child like they really hit you over the head that there was another child i i thought there were way too many of them and for that short of a movie i feel like if they had gotten rid of some of those scenes it would have been even shorter and not good so i don't know how they would have fixed that but i thought there were a lot of scenes expressing that to us yeah i felt like the the grave was a little bit i wish they didn't have the grave it's it feels melodramatic to have the grave i think that there was a better way of explaining uh how something like that happened, why they could be in the, the mental state that they are, why they would um, affect the way that they do on this sheep creature thing. So, yeah. I think like like Connor said, uh, because the uncle comes in and they're, they're shouting for Ada to come into the room, the uncle knows that that was their last child's name. So they kind of need to show the grave so that the audience knows like, oh, that was their last kid's name. But they could have had him just emote in such a strange way that it more so than like oh uh like because his reaction feels like what's going on who's here how do you have a is this another child were you pregnant at some time it could have been an extra layer of weird to him it could have been displayed because obviously it was that way to the character but we don't know that because it's his um performance is so understated in that sense yeah yeah it was just something i noticed there were, there were a lot of scenes like that uh, no, I, I get that. I, I didn't think it laid it on too thick, but I understand like that, yeah. that idea. Um, For everything else in this f- film, though, that is not um, given to you, they, they, they work so hard at uh, this being uh, a small look into an everyday life. There's no explanation for anything, for any motivations, for, for why he's even there, why uh, Pietro's there, why they're on this farm, who these people are. Showing the grave is so out of tone with how you've built the rest of your characters and motivations that it feels melodramatic. It's not that it's the wrong way to do it. It's that the wrong way to do it in this movie. I wonder if it was meant to bait the audience into thinking that the sheep died. And like that was what they were supposed to think. And then you see the sheep and the woman walk away from the grave. Could have been because that, that was the, my first thought. Because that was the start of the next chapter, I believe. So I think okay. you're supposed to think that, like, oh, the the lamb died, and then you see them walk away from the grave. And you're like, oh, it was someone else, and then it clicks. 
I think that's what it was meant to be, and that's when the audience was supposed to have that aha moment. You know? Oh, okay. Yeah. I I hadn't thought of it that way, but mm-hmm. yeah. that makes sense. Um, I I want to talk about some kind of scenes that lead up into, uh, kind of your final act is uh. I think this film does a really good job of like lulling you into a false sense of security that like this is a happy family and they're doing fun things. Like so the the brothers shut up and they're all sitting around on the couch having a couple drinks and they're watching a, a soccer game together. No, they're watching handball. Is it handball? Yeah, I, I, I love handball okay. so oh much. Oh my gosh, yes, handball so, is amazing. It should to be watch. a crazy popular American sport. It absolutely should be. It should be one of it's the like most like basketball yeah. combined with lacrosse and football. Like and make hockey. that happen. Yeah. yeah, this is at least the second time we've talked about handball yeah. on this podcast and it we just like thing, yeah. and if and if our our emotion like for a second time isn't enough yeah watch this movie <laughs> Make and handball you can see thing. like real people <laughs> get excited about it because that when i say real people my gosh it feels so so real i made a note i was like right off the bat i was like this if you are a sports fan at all you've been in this exact same moment where you're like no 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 what are they doing oh no and, and then like you're like yes 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 and you're excited about something and uh i i want to say jaden was over maybe like last year sometime it was during the nhl playoffs and we were uh we were watching the avs play and uh it was i remember like we were all sitting on the couch and i was probably like more emotional than anyone because i'm really invested in that hockey team but i remember like sitting there with you guys and watching and just like like freaking out over what's happening and it felt so natural like watching these characters on the couch doing the same thing it made me think a lot about watching sports with Jaden. like that's that's what i thought of it felt really real to me it is by far my least favorite part of the movie really yeah i hate it so much i think it's so cheesy and i feel like it's so unnatural feeling and i hate i hated it (laughs) absolutely i'm like torn up right now because yeah. I, I feel the exact opposite i thought like i made a note about thinking about you watching yeah, this scene no, so i i hate it 100%. i think i could see why it feels unnatural because it kind of comes out of nowhere there's yeah. no real indication that this family of farmers cares at all about a sport i don't think that that was it. i just felt like it was just very cheesy just like it was like a reaction. by the book kind yeah. of scene yeah yeah and i can imagine that so the the other thing that you can look at this though is that this is at the point where we are not hearing the sheep anymore. The bleeding has stopped. Right. And so now you have human screaming that is nonsensical to this sheep creature. And now it's scaring it and really drives a wedge between um, the the psychic identity of the, the sheep, of the sheep child of being the human. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's a sheep child. Yeah, Adam. Uh, <laughs> no, I. I but do. yeah, because it looks in the mirror and then it looks at the photograph immediately after that. Yeah, and if you notice that scene, the gun is gone. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think about. Uh, I think about that because that's humans interacting with humans, having a good time, and and Ada doesn't like fit into that, and that's why like, she leaves and she leaves the house, and then when she comes back, they you know they end up finding her, and uh, Ingvar is like, oh, like come come lay with me while I fall asleep. And then it has that like really slow zoom in on the the picture of like the the shepherds moving like sheep through a pasture, and another thing I thought about a lot. It, you were mentioning like biblical references, Calvin, earlier. I thought a lot about um, like uh, one class of people kind of dominating another, and it made me think a lot about uh, the Egyptians kind of ruling over the Israelites. Yeah. And Ada to me is like a a real allegory for Moses who. It, Moses is an Israelite who was taken in by the Egyptians and and raised up and loved by them, but then he realized like something is off here. Like these are my own people being like persecuted and treated poorly, and I think Ada kind of in her own way has that realization when she sees the picture of the shepherds and the sheep. She's like, well, I I look like them, but I'm being treated like 
like a human. I'm being treated like an, I'm Moses being treated like an Egyptian, but my people are treated like this. So I, I saw a lot of similarities there. Uh, just like with the door frames makes that much more sense. They're, they're painting them exactly, with red yeah. blood. When you said that, cause that's a part of the Passover, which is one of the, uh, one of the plagues, the plagues that, uh, uh affected the uh, Egyptians. So yeah, you said that. And I was like, I was like very excited to kind of dive into some of the biblical mm-hmm. references here. Cause I think that's, it's, that's a, that's a really kind of neat one to latch onto. And I think it makes sense in this film a lot. Well, didn't also the Pharaoh lose a child and then Moses was found by the river. Yeah. And then they like instantly went out of the first time she went like missing or whatever. They were like, I'll go check down by the river. I wonder if that's what happened to their first child. Yeah. Yeah. That would make so much, mm-hmm. man, there's, and there's so many elements there that are going between biblical allegory and physical, uh, like reality in terms of the story. And yeah, I, I, there's, I can't wait to watch this three or seven more times <laughs> right, because like, right. I feel like there's so much that you can really dive into about, okay, when are things happening? Because they kept like, when like Pieter first got dropped off, they kept cutting back to that car and it was raining, but it wasn't raining while they were on the farm. So you were trying to understand where this was happening temporally because this was clearly not, um, in, in any space where Ingvar or Maria were. So there are other ones like that that are definitely not happening at the same time. They might not even be happening in reality. And I can't wait to find more like that. Yeah, no, I think there's that. That's why I like doing our, get our spoiler uh, free stuff out of the way and then like kind of diving in deeper. Cause I, I like kind of figuring out the subtext in these. I think there's a lot of fun stuff going on in this movie. Uh, yeah. Cause also, I mean, Maria virgin mother too. Right. Mary. Right. So, so I, uh, We've kind of established that there's kind of a wedge between them now, and I think uh, you kind of see Ada being like, maybe like a. It's hard to say because I want to say crisis of identity, but there's like she never has any dialogue, so it's tough to figure out like really what's going on with that character a hundred percent. Except for when that when they zoom in on the the portrait of the sheep, and there's all of that screaming of yeah. and bleeding of the sheep. I think that that's supposed to reflect her her inner mind state at that point of like I'm one of those. I'm being driven around by the humans um, and all of their yelling because you hear them and the dogs in the background of that uh, of that sound design, and I think that's that's really poignant um it's a really nice way of setting up how that character is feeling without saying anything you right know? and and that's, yeah. and that's what i mean i think like i said i think that this film does a really good job of showing emotion and like character motivation without having uh, a ton of dialogue to get you there mm. so moving past that that's uh, the scene we kind of mentioned where maria and peter uh they looks like they're maybe going to have some kind of love affair go on and that doesn't work out and peter kind of gets kicked out and Maria takes him to the bus stop. And at the same time, Ingvar's taking Ada to go check the, the nets. And I think that's what kind of gets us to like the real climax of the film, which is where like Ingvar's killed. Uh, so Jane, I wonder, what do you think of the creature, like creature design, first of all, of the kind of the sheep man that kills Just Peter, real uh, quick. Ingvar. I mean, you guys know that Maria fucked her brother before, right? I'm assuming that there yeah. was some kind of love affair. Otherwise, that she would have said something to Ingvar. Right. Yeah, like right away. Like when she was like, when he said the weird thing about the bath, like she'd be like, hey, your brother's a creep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I'm assuming there was some kind of relationship yeah, prior to, to that. I would, I'm pretty sure that they banged for sure. But, um, you mean in the house on that visit? No, before he Okay, he, yeah, because I think it's prior. Yeah. I think it's something, it was a, something, a, a past relationship yes, is what I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, But while they were still married. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah. No, I think oh, that's see, it. I, I kind of thought... 
I mean, maybe if I'm, I'm just trying to be naive, might be naive, but maybe she had a thing for Peter and then um, decide, and then fell in love with Ingvar, you know, like older brother, little brother. My type, my type thing. of thing was uh, like he had been to the house, the farm before, Paul and Lassoon kind of troubles. I'm pretty sure they had gotten drunk and they had been. Yeah, I guess within yeah. within the text of the film, his brother that's a was trying to get because Peter was trying to get Ingvar drunk the whole time they were watching the game. Because they're like playing handball, he's like, "Oh, take another shot and stuff." He's like, "Oh, time for you to go to bed." And instantly, we did that I was like, "Oh, he's gonna go try and bang her." Like, yeah, but uh, I, I'd say that's like that was his her. whole plot in the movie was to be try and bang his wife. I thought that was the whole point of his character. Yeah, yeah, which is a terrible thing. That's probably why he everyone just kicks him out of their cars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's trying to sleep with everyone's girlfriend. Yeah, uh, but what do you think of the? I guess if you want to say your 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 film monster, this we finally put a face and a character to that like heavy breathing that you see at the beginning here at the beginning. You of the see film, him or, before that, uh, like in the reflection of that. Yeah, I, I'm saying this is your introduction oh, to the yeah, character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, um, what do you what do you think of the look? It looks fine. I mean, I don't think CGI is too great in this movie, but it was okay. I thought it was really really cool to see it with a gun. I just thought it looked really neat. I, I like just the aesthetic of it shooting and then like kind of having that menacing look after he's like, okay, I'm like th- this, uh, add as like a part of like my, like my family. This is like from a uh, nip from my own cloth. Like I'm taking her back. And like, I, I thought that that was a really cool scene. And I, I, I like that. He also just like gets rid of the gun too. Like he doesn't need anymore. And, mm. uh, the part where he's grabbed at his hand and he's walking away. Uh, but Ingvar still like holding at his hand too, and well, like slips away. He's actually holding like, the hoof. Yeah, I was holding the hoof, which is like the first time it's happened. So mm-hmm. I don't, uh, I don't even want that part of you to to be taken yeah. away. I thought that was a, a emotional scene, McKenna. What did you think of that part? I loved it. I my jaw actually dropped when I saw the uh, the camera go over to the monster holding the gun. I was like blown away. I was like, this this is really cool. Yeah, no, I I I thought it looked great. I, I mean, aside from you know maybe taken more time to really get the details done but yeah. i think for the scene it totally worked I, I besides like the visuals if you're not into that i just think the emotion of the scene totally like hit me I, I i i was totally involved in that i thought it was great yeah so leading up to that with all the heavy breathing and stuff i, I thought it was going to be like a bear or like a large wolf or something like that mm-hmm. and the gunshot was the man killing it finally oh, and okay. it went over to this monster holding it and my jaw dropped yeah. And then it clicked for me at the beginning. If you remember, there's like the sheep in the shed during like the snowstorm that like fell over. Mm-hmm. That was the sheep that the monster slept with, right? Yeah, I assume. Yeah, that, I, yeah. I think that, yeah, that's, and then it that's clicked, my assumption. Yeah. It clicked for me. I thought when it happened in the theater, the sheep just fell over and the theater laughed. Oh. And then with the context of the monster, that's suddenly not a funny scene anymore. No, yeah. And that's... That's I didn't kinda, laugh at that part, but I, I know what you mean. There yeah, were some chuckles. Yeah. The other people chuckled because like, oh, funny sheep fell over or whatever. But like, <laughs> that's kind of what I mean about the uh, the awkwardness of the kitchen scene with the uncle. Like, I, I really feel like if you go in with like a different lens, that there's like nothing funny in this movie at all. It's all like tense awkwardness. Yeah. No, but I, I just, I, I like the levity of those parts, but I get what sure. you mean. Yeah. Like, in and of themselves, they're not funny Yeah. because someone's trying to be funny. It's just funny because like look at this lamb and this uncle's trying yeah. to figure out what the hell is happening. No, I thought the, the climax of the movie with the monster was like perfect. 
what do you think of the end or that uh, that that part there, Calvin? So I'd say the design is very interesting because when we think of the uh, the first depiction of a monster in human in recorded human history, um, it's the it's just a a man with a lion's head. It's a it's a chimera. So that that image is very prevalent throughout human history, um, and it's it's one of those embedded. Uh, archetypes within the the collective unconscious so that is interesting i hated that they showed it though i think it takes again it's the same way with the grave like like jane was saying like the the cgi isn't good enough that it says everything that it needs to it kind of takes away from all of the emotion of ingvar dying because it's like this monster is upset it's angry i would have rather seen just like a hand a human hand come and grab uh, at his hand because that leaves so much more open to interpretation. We hear this heavy breathing, but is this a person? Is this always been a person? It's also why I don't think that the monster is actually real. I think that um, if you look at how no one ever saw it, how all of these things were happening from the, from the, uh, the, uh, like all of our, our camera angles are from the animals' perspectives. If you see all of the shots where the humans are shooing the animals, they're the ones corralling them, chasing them down. What is the difference to an animal, whether they're a human or a human-shaped thing with a with a uh, a sheep head? I don't think there is any difference to them. They're still monsters, and that's why I why I don't think that this the monster is really is is actually real. Um, they're just, it's just another human. Whether that's um, a projection of Ingvar, and he's actually the one that did sleep with the sheep um, and created Ada. That's one. That's one thing. Um, or whether it's another human entirely, and it's you know like what if um, Pietro got off the uh, bus and came back. You know. Okay, my thing is uh, with that. If the monster's not real, out of the lamb isn't real. If out of the right yep. lamb isn't real, mm-hmm. then there's no point for Pietro to be there. In I don't the movie know if, at all. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but I agree with you that Ada is doesn't necessarily need to be real. And this is why this is the way folk tales. In which work. case, Ingvar kills himself because his daughter died. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's the whole thing wow, about okay. yeah. And that's the whole thing about folk tales is you. We've mentioned before on other episodes how folk tales can a lot of times be interpreted as a single character or single person's mi- projected mindscape. All of the characters are acting as uh, aspects of the individual subconscious and that's what that's another one when i when i go back and watch this film i will look at it exclusively through that lens because that's when these small intimate scenes uh or these small intimate stories can be um boiled down a lot better when you have big uh uh stories with lots of different characters it's very hard i think to see that and i think that's why folk tales are small is because it's it's both things it's small individual communities it's those tight relationships because they're all happening within a single individual. So that's one way of looking about it. And that's why I don't necessarily think that these are real things. Gotcha. So if we kind of move on into like our theories about the film. Yeah. McKinnon. Uh, McKinnon's giving me a look. You've been away for yeah, a while. We can, we can uh, <laughs> let me get my piece and then McKinnon, I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you end up uh, our kind of discussion on theories about the film. I think it's all real. I just think it's like a cool like folktale. Like this is mm-hmm. probably just some kind of creature that's been talked about in like local lore and has existed. And and so I like the film in like a more literal sense. I think it works better for me. Uh, 
in terms of talking about like kind of the end scene, I had mentioned earlier that I feel like uh, uh, Maria is like really alone when they have that really like tight close up on her face when she gets into bed by herself. And that's like her, I think, kind of lowest moment. She, she seems really alone in this film. She doesn't seem very connected with her husband. She doesn't have this child yet. Uh, Peter hasn't shown up. And then the film ends with uh, Ingvar's been killed. Peter's gone. Um, Ada's gone. And you get another really, really tight close-up on uh, on Maria. And she lets that one tear out. And I think it's just, again, this film has gone kind of full circle where she's now the only one and she's back to being alone. And I, I think it works so well. And I was really nervous that this film was going to go in a really bad direction where she, like, picks up the gun. She goes back home. She, like, is striping up a, like a knife to her boot. She's packing an overnight bag, and she's going to go hunt down this, like, this creature that's taken her daughter. And I was like, please, God, just end now because I think you've done this, like, really poetic ending to to this mm-hmm. character and to every character, really, I think the ambiguity of what happens to Ada after that, I think it leaves you kind of leaving the the theater with questions like, OK, what's what's what comes of this? And I was so glad that it just ended there. Uh, I, I that's like the biggest praise I can get in this movie is is it, it knew when to end. It had a great story and it just knew when to close it out. It didn't want to have like crazy horror action Hollywood ending. It just ended and I thought it was wonderful. Uh, so that's kind of my like as far as theories and kind of my idea of the ending, that's all I have. McKinnon, what do you got? I, I, I completely agree with you. When it cut to black after it held on Maria for a little bit, I thought it was going to say chapter four and it was going to keep going. And then it went to credits and I like, I let out a sigh of relief. I was like, perfect. <laughs> right. right. Uh, I was going to say with all this, all the stuff that Calvin said about all the, the subtext and is the monster real and all that stuff. Is it, do you think it's unlikely that you're reading subtext that isn't there, or is it just a theory that you have? Do you, do you think that that's intended for what the creator of the film meant to get across? Well, and that's that's what's interesting about folktales. It's not necessarily about their uh, intent. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's you've been away from the podcast for a while, so I've read a lot more about. You've grown since I've left. I, I've <laughs> I've read. A, we have we have a sound pad dedicated for specifically getting on the Carl Jung train. Okay. Um, <laughs> because it is such a such a way I like to look at stories and especially film. And what Carl Jung does is he looks at um, old folktales as being expressions of the subconscious so whether or not it's intentional or not the stories that we you can think of the way humans express um our day-to-day lives it's really the story we're telling ourselves the story i'm telling myself right now is i'm having fun having a podcast with all of you guys there are inferences from my exterior world giving me an indication that i am having fun but i ultimately have to incorporate that into my conscious mind and that's coming from my subconscious mind so whether or not I choose to make a story consciously, my subconscious is also there. And that's why you can interpret these types of things of as being having that richer subtext is because they're they're human expression in all forms. And subconscious is not intentional, generally speaking. It's not about if it was intended or not. It's that us as humans will interpret it a certain way. Not necessarily that we will interpret it that way, but we put those those affects of ourself into sure. our stories. Yeah. So that's where it comes from. Okay, I buy that. I, I wonder I wonder sometimes what a movie creator is trying to say. 
Yeah. So. And, and that's what's fun to get into the mind. Sometimes it's just like, yeah, I just I just wanted to make a weird movie about a fucking lamb. Yeah. yeah like, yeah, I, I, I don't know if the lamb has to mean anything. It could be it could be the shark archetype. Yeah. We, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'd be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Do we want to get into our final thoughts on this? Yeah, probably. Uh, I'll just say a lot, like I said, in the kind of spoiler free part, I recommend this. I think this is totally worth watching. I think out of uh, all of us, kind of the uh, Jaden brought up a bunch of stuff about Peter that I didn't think of at all in this film. So I think one of the big reasons I want to watch this again is to like kind of look at it that way. Cause I, I, I actually thought of it as like loving uncle who's like learned to accept uh, Ada and the, I, the, the, the fact that you have a completely different idea on that, like kind of threw me through a loop. So now like I, I want to go back and watch and be like, okay, like what do I pick up on those aspects of that character? Uh, and I think that's so interesting. This is why I love, I think especially when we do these sin adventures where we, we go and watch something and then we just immediately kind of, barf up any opinion we have on it is we all have a, a lot of different takes and i think sometimes when we have a film planned out that we're going to do a podcast on it gets more refined and we end up kind of maybe getting closer to the same conclusion while still having our own points of view this is like these conversations tend to be uh more widespread because we're all going to take like an initial interpretation on a first viewing and so i i appreciate like like always talking with you guys about this because that's like what jaden said that's a totally not the idea I had at all. So I'm excited to watch this again. And like I said, I, I absolutely recommend this. Uh, McKinnon, what are your final thoughts on this one? I recommend it too. I enjoyed it. I I, I thought it was going to be a lot weirder. And then it started off pretty normal, I thought. And then they actually showed the lamb. And I was like, I was right. This is a weird freaking movie. But I enjoyed it. I Yeah, I, I was surprised by it in the good ways. And I thought it ended well. And I enjoyed it, yeah. Yeah, and I love it for all of the the realism in terms of the filmmaking. We're just setting up cameras from uh, perspectives and not trying to be uh, obtrusive with our our camera work. Like the camera work isn't isn't the point. It's just setting it and watching people live, and that is. I find it so engaging when they do that here, even though it it's it's very. Uh, I suppose you could say it's boring, especially for uh, it, what type of film uh, or moviegoer you are coming to this. Then, yeah, I would say this is boring. Um, but if you listen all the way to the end of this podcast, I'm assuming that you are going to be swayed in some way by, by a little so, bit. It's least, like, yeah. yeah, I mean, you're listening to, to us, you know, um, wax poetic about... Um, Jungian archetypes. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I clearly, if you're if you're listening to this, I would assume that you're the type of audience that is also like, yeah, this sounds like a good movie. And I, and if that's the case, then yeah, I would go see this absolutely. All right, Jane, what do you think of this one? Um, it's a stellar movie. It's beautiful. Um, it's a bunch of pieces of art put on the screen in certain frames per, sec- per second. Um, I'd give this a nine point two. Bloody sheeps. Okay, we can go bloody yes. sheeps. Yeah. Oh, we didn't give our rating. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like bloody I said, I, I, I think I love this movie. I, I bleeding sheeps. That's what I would say. Bleeding. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, sheeps. Oh, yeah. the double entendre. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think I, I. This is a lot like Green Knight, where I think it only has room to go up. Uh, but I like this better than Green Knight. And I think I put that around like a seven. This is like an absolute eight. Like go see it. And this only gets better to me. McKenna, where do you put this one? Uh, probably like an eight. 8.2 bleeding sheeps. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is, um, I'll give it a nine, a flat nine. Wow. Okay. No, that's, they, I mean, I, it's like the I said, first like, flat. 
Yeah, I know, yeah. right? Yeah. Nine flat sheaves. Nine flat bleeding <laughs> sheaves. I think there's just there's just so much uh, going on that you can't capture it all in one go. But just in the first viewing, I was like, wow. I, I was like, I think I love this. Like, yeah, it's a bummer. Cause this is going to get nominated for nothing. It's going to win no awards, even though it's. Well, it's in it's in Icelandic, so yeah. of course not. The only thing it would yeah. be nominated for would be um, uh, best world picture. Yeah. Or I mean, it was a selection at Cannes, so there's that. That's the only one that matters. Or what's the one that matters the most? Yeah, it just makes me sad that something that looks this good, sounds this good, has great performances. This it's gonna get like no, like everyone's just gonna talk about James Bond after this weekend. Like no one's Ugh. gonna talk about Lamb, and this movie is awesome. Uh, but for that, we're closing this one out. I'm your host Connor. I got Jaden over here. E and former guest Calvin. Thanks for having me back. And special guest McKinnon. What's up? We're glad to have you, and uh, thank you for listening to Now This Is Podcasting.